That's right. We're a Riverdale recap podcast here to talk about chapter 122, Tales in a Jugular Vein, written by Greg Murray and directed by Jeff Woolnaw. Woolnaw. I like how you say that. Woolnaw. Yeah, you got the... I sure hope he doesn't pronounce it Woolnaw. <laughs> Very embarrassing. No, I like to think he says it like with that tone you had, though. Of, hey, like, everybody. Uh, my name's Jeff. I'm here. Uh, the director, Jeff Woolnaw. <laughs> Nice to meet everyone. Really looking forward to this one. Got some great ideas. I've been talking with the DP. All right, let's let's hit the time is money, people. Let's stick to the schedule. What was your last name again? Woolnaw. <laughs> nice to meet you. Yes, this is how he must speak. <laughs> I will take nothing else. <laughs> and people are like Woolnaw, and he's like, no, 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 no. It's pronounced Woolnaw. <laughs> Why that's so good, but it is. This episode starts with three evil men. Uh, just sip- I bet you can guess who they are. Sipping their brandy around the fire. Uh, we, we find ourselves deep in Thornhill. Mm-hmm. And Mayor Blossom is, is speaking with the school authorities, of course. The principal and uh, the fiendish, devilish, re- reactionary uh, uh, Dr. Friedrich. He gets a first name. In this episode. Friedrich. Friedrich Werther's. As if you didn't get Frederick Wortham. Uh, I, if if just, you didn't get Frederick Wortham yet, now now it's really just, obvious. Just in case. Just, just in, in case. case you missed the reference. Mm-hmm. For the people who haven't been reading io9 this month or whatever. <laughs> Do they cover this show? They should. Hey, io9, you want to pay me? <laughs> they're, they're talking about the recent events, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. Specifically, the Muggs murders. The Muggs murder- murders and how, uh, you know, Ethel's with the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. And she's keeping her dang mouth shut. Because they've taken a vow of silence, <laughs> or a forced vow of silence, I guess. Uh, so she's not allowed to speak. But the PTA is still very upset about these killings. Like, geez, can't they let it go? <laughs> Basically. It's for- almost like they're concerned about parents dying. For some reason, it is in these three men's best interests to keep people's traps shut about the dead Muggses. They just need to keep them focused. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And not on these murders. But uh, speaking of the murders, Friedrich here uh, does have the murder weapon in his possession, he says. And it, they are comic books. Yeah, he reaches into his bag and slams down a stack of pep comics. He's like, the only way to make sure more people aren't killed is to get rid of comics. They're a moral scourge that causes juvenile delinquency. Do you get it? Do you get the historical reference? If you don't, you need to, like, read about anything to do with history, please. I mean, our listeners know. Yes. Not only because we've been saying it for a month now, but also... A number of our listeners, I'm sure, are also History Honey's listeners who remember ah, the Comics Code. Uh, like, uh, 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 uh. See, our History Honey's listeners who aren't on this show should really come over. It's an addendum to, to at least one episode is what it is. Well, there are things that come up there, that we yes, talk about. Yes. Uh, yeah. 
So, so yeah, he's all like, the, it's the comic books. We gotta take down the comic books. Boo mm-hmm, comic books. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Meanwhile, uh, at the comic books. <laughs> Jughead has gone over to Pep. Uh, and he's like, hey, where is everyone? And he's like, everyone is out with the stomach flu. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he's like, oh, man, I bet you need help. Do you need help? And he's like, yes. Mr. Fieldstone is all alone. Well, him and Bernie. Yes. Those are the only two people that I guess didn't eat the fish or whatever. But Bernie doesn't write. So uh, Mr. Fieldstone is between a rock and a hard place. And so Jughead offers to write an entire issue on spec. Four seven-page stories. Overnight. Overnight! He's like, you know, if you have any trouble uh, coming up with ideas for this, here, here are some things to springboard off of. He gives them some cards. Yeah, the, these are his file cards that he gestured to when he entered our grand narrative. Yes. Uh, uh, as his defense against plagiarism. Like, no, I just got a big boxes full of nouns. So, so the first <laughs> card uh-huh. is Boxer Vigilante... Organ harvesting. <laughs> wow, that sounds familiar. Or as I call it, season three. The second card is man, woman, cult, rocket. <laughs> also season three. I loved season three. Let me tell you. <laughs> the rocket doesn't come in until early season four. Sure, sure. But <laughs> let me tell you. I live for Edgar. So Jughead's flipping through these cards and is like, these these are so tired. Everyone's heard this story a million times. These have been done before. <laughs> yeah, in 2018, I guess. This is the whole he knows it thing. And Bernie's just like, I don't know why he says that, but sure, kid. It's the whole like residual future exactly, in the brain. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And in his conversation with, with Bernie out front in the office, uh, this is when Jughead has the bright idea. Pep doesn't publish any teenager stories. Yeah. So what about, you know, those teens in high school? You like, know, the readers, the, the, the comic purchasing public. It could be horrible. Like we could, we could have a narrator that's like a witchy lunch lady. Or, or, the night janitor. Oh. oh. Not your friendly day janitor. No, no, it, no. And Jughead's like, it could be called the homeroom of horrors. <laughs> oh. oh. And Bernie's like, yeah, cool kid. Go yeah. and do that. Whatever. Just write a story. <laughs> Clock's ticking. Why are you t- talking to me? Uh, so he gets right to work in his fancy re-done uh, train car. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and Veronica comes in to greet him, uh, you know, refers to him as her tortured genius. Yes. Uh, and, you know, she's trying to get him to take her out on a date to the movies. Specifically, Le Diabolique. Because she knows Jughead doesn't mind the subtitles. If anyone in this town is going to watch a French psychological horror thriller, it's Jughead, it's Jughead and Veronica. Yes. Uh, but he, it's going to be a very empty theater. It's only people there. <laughs> only, this, this is why this movie theater doesn't exist in the future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And why we get the bijou. Yeah. It's because it was a little too niche. <laughs> so, okay, okay. It went out of business. Yeah. Is what we're saying. Yes. 
And so it, when future Veronica was looking for names for businesses, yeah. she did her research like, oh, what is a, a really classic part of town history yes. that I can resurrect? Yes. Oh my God, it's the perfect crime. It makes yes. so much sense. Yes. <laughs> And it's all because they were importing weird French movies that nobody, that, that hardly anybody wanted to watch. Yeah. Okay. And so that theater closed and then it was reopened as the Bijou. I, it is the 10th highest grossing film of 1955, in France at least. But yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's like, nope, I'm too busy. I got to write a whole issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, oh, well, maybe I can help. Why don't you tell me about what you're writing? He also shows off that, like, he got a mock-up. He says the word mock-up of a design of the Keeper of the Keys, his horror narrator. Now, uh, people are probably best familiar uh, uh, with this role being held by the Crypt Keeper from, like, the HBO show in the early 90s. Yeah. That became just a real cornerstone of pop culture. Yes. Uh, But that character and many others like it have their roots in these horror anthology, some of which were even uh, uh, printed by MLJ Comics, the company that would rename itself to Archie Comics. Yeah. But we're, we're going all in on the EC tribute, uh, uh, so I think the Key Keeper has a lot of Crypt Keeper in him. Yes. So the, the first uh, st- story we are going to get is sports theme, because as yes. Jughead said, what is scarier than gym class? Anyhow, I did distract myself from the point I was going to make oh, that this right. this mock-up is an inked and colored finished print. They don't hold back. <laughs> they don't hold back. No cost is a problem. This, this is the reason Mr. Fieldstone needs people to write comics overnight. It's because his artists are insane. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, and I'm done. <laughs> Rohan Kashibe is working for Pep Comics. <laughs> and you do realize this had to have been done by Bernie. Oh my god, is Bernie the, only, the artist? He's the only he's other the only person one. that was there. Okay. It was just the three of them. Yeah, Bernie's the house artist and office boy. Yeah. Wow, what a busy little bee. I mean, what if that's the first thing Bernie's been allowed to draw? Because mm, everybody else ate, ate the salmon or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it is time to narrate. It is time to begin the first story. Keep your head in the game. Gotta, gotta keep your head in the game. (laughs) Cue high school musical insert now. Yes. Go set to fake right and break left. Watch out for the pick and keep an eye on the fence. Gotta run the give and go. Take the ball to the hole. And don't be afraid to shoot the outside, Jay. Just keep your head in the game. Better do that. I want an insertion. Darling, you're not the only one who wants an insertion, but we'll get to that later. So let me tell you, that is like the least memorable song, though, in all of High School Musical. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know the words past you gotta keep your head in the game. Are there other words? I don't know. I can tell you that's not a song we ever did when I taught High School Musical. All right. Top three High School Musical 1 songs. Go. Uh, bullshit! Because <laughs> this movie slams the water! High School Musical 2! It's the only one I can name, and it's not... I, I can't win this game. 
I mean, we're all in this together. It's pretty great. Okay. But it's it's the mm-hmm. it's the sibling songs. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, stick to the status quo. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's three. Th- okay. Okay. Two. Two. What I've been looking for. Okay. Okay. One. Bop to the top. Obviously, it's got to be bop to the top. Bop to the top. Ride that rhythm. It's the best. <laughs> I didn't even watch this shit when it was on TV. Well, of course not. Why would you? It's only because of the children's. So, so yes, the Keeper of the Keys is narrating and telling us about how Dilton Doily is the runt of the basketball team. Uh, he, he can't keep up. He can't do basketball, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and one day at practice, practice is not allowed to end until everyone on the team sinks at least one free throw. And Dilton just can't do it. He keeps missing. He ke- His form is god-awful. Like, some coach... Do some coaching, please. No wonder he can't make a shot. But, but he's not going to do that. Instead, no, he's no. going to guilt trip him and then mm-hmm. make all the other guys like run laps while he just fails to make a basket. Mm-hmm, and I want to mm-hmm. say at this moment, what I thought was going to happen in this story is that he was going to fail so bad at making this basket that everyone else was going to run to death. <laughs> Well, that would be a three-page story. We need a seven-page story. We need some twists. But then we need a change of location. Like zombies. Oh, and okay. they'd like try to eat his brain because he's like, <laughs> "You didn't make the basket." <laughs> ah. Yeah. Well, eventually he does, or they just call it off because I think they just call it off. Because we cut to the locker room where Julian is is throwing him up against the lockers, shouting at him. Because uh, uh, he's a dude who sucks at basketball. What are you doing here? Get out of here. Uh, Archie is on the other side of the room looking uncomfortable while like, everyone else like, is like, yes, bully this child. We hate him. Like, guys, should, should we do this? And Julian says, yes, we should do this. I will stuff him in a locker overnight. I will also threaten to murder the boy. <laughs> he's like, you're going to start pulling your weight or we are going to murder you. Yeah, it's not veiled. It's <laughs> the most explicit murder threat you can make. I will murder you. To the point. What do we think of the Keeper of the Keys before we get too far from his introduction? Oh, I love him. You like you like him? I kind of wish he was actually like employed at the school. He has this really weedy, wheezy voice. Yeah. That's that's fun. He's a lot more higher pitched. He's no Jeff Woolnaw. Uh, that's for sure. You're looking for a little mischief and mayhem, aren't you? Well, maybe I can be of some assistance. Uh, but I, yeah, I I honestly wish he was just like in the show as like in the background, you would just see him suddenly pass by mm-hmm. mopping a floor and everyone's like, what the fuck? And of course, he's got like greasy, matty hair. He's covered in like boils and warts. And like bad teeth. Bad, bad, bad teeth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Horror host janitor. You've you've got the picture in your mind yeah. right there from three words. Yeah. Yeah. But he tells us that Dilton Zoily has had, as long as he has lived, a case of claustrophobia. Yes. So when he is found in the morning by uh, the Keeper of the Keys' daytime sunshine counterpart, the normal janitor. Uh, Dilton has had a complete psychotic break. And he's hell-bent on revenge! So he goes to the fire axe (laughs) and breaks the glass. And gets the fire axe. And crawls right back into his locker. So he to can lie wait. and wait. Ah. And so then 
we cut to him covered in blood. Just muttering to himself, gotta keep your head in the game. Keep your head in the game. And throwing baskets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then the, the, the c- ball like rolls to the feet of the coach who's like, good job. Dilton. But that's no ball. That is the decapitated head of Julian Blossom. Ah! And the coach looks over and he sees all the decapitated bodies sitting on the bench. And then he looks the other way and he sees all their heads on the ball cart. And he runs (laughs) away screaming. (laughs) As Dilton's just like, God, keep your head in the game. God, 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 keep your head in the game. And there's a new one episode only, I must assume, title treatment of the font all jaggedy and with like offset color because of the the, the like four color uh, uh, process. I get I get it. Yeah, I love it. I yeah, like it. It's good. It's good. Oh, uh, uh, when when the color uh, uh, layers don't align quite right. Oh, that's the good stuff. It's so pretty. It's so good. I want more of that. So this episode is uh, one quarter done if we're, we're taking the, the premise of the frame story seriously. Yeah. Before the first uh, uh, commercial break. Um, so when we come back, uh, Veronica's like, well, good for Dilton. Those bullies <laughs> yeah. got what they had coming. Hell yeah. And Jughead is very encouraged to, to uh, get this support. And, it's like, and, and he pushes it like, yeah, these are morality plays. The, uh, what people who, who attack uh, the, these lurid stories don't understand is that in the end, the wicked are punished and, and the righteous rewarded. Yeah, like, and you know, like, people who have lustful sex get punished. And Veronica's like, oh, tell me more. Tell about me more about this lustful, lustful sex. sex? And by punishment, and what do you mean by that? <laughs> it's like, I could go either way. T- tell me more, Juggykins. 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 Vile. Vile. Juggykins. I do not like it. You don't like Juggykins? I, d- I don't like Archiekins, but that's had like 80 years to marry. Is it because it makes you think of Jugs? I love to think of Jugs. Like boobykins? I don't like boob... Juggykins? Don't... Stop saying these words. (laughs) Juggykins. So the next uh, uh, short in our anthology here is called Love You to Pieces. The first uh, uh, short didn't do it too much, but all of these, all of these, when we're in our narrative, really have a lot of, I don't know, aesthetic calls to comics of the era. Yes. Like, uh, this one starts with the the live-action filming of the establishing shot we're about to describe in, you know, a sort of portrait view. But the rest of the frame is filled by other panels that would be in the book. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of times where... Uh, there there are overlays or uh, narration boxes that say, you know, the next day up in the corner. It's it's very, uh, well, it's capturing a different aesthetic, mm-hmm. but it's like Scott Pilgrim. It is. It is. Yes. You know, are you taking that comic and you're keeping the comic aesthetic within it? Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. like, obviously a different type of genre of comic. Right. So different feel, but it's that type of stuff. And like the... Again, just like with the the mock covers that we've seen strewn around in in Jughead's room all these weeks, they went to the source. Like, they are clearly looking at the the fonts and the narration boxes in use in early 50s, particularly EC titles. Yeah. 
And they they go for a slightly different like take in each of the four stories, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. to a different level of it. And well, yeah, one of their pinch artists is uh, under lock and key with the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. They they couldn't. They had to shop well, it around to four different people. Yes, yes. But I like it, though. I like yeah. it for the fact of, like, I feel like it almost gets more, like, each one gets, like, a different level of comic goofiness. Yes, and yes. And it's, like, it just gets more and more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but, so this one is, what happens is Archie is driving, and he he blows his, his, his car... His tire. His jalopy. Mm-hmm. The tire blew on some nails. And he finds himself in front of Thornhill. And, and he's he, knocking on the giant doors. The it pours, pours rain around him. Uh, and who opens it? It's Nana Blossom. First appearance of season seven, Nana Blossom. And it's a lot of, oh, you poor boy. And a lot of, oh, ma'am. <laughs> uh, and eventually she she gets him to come in and warm himself by the fire. Unfortunately, the phone is out, so he can't the call for The power's out. The power as well. Well, no, the power's out. The phone's working because phones still work even with power out in this time. Remember that. Yes. But yes. it's that it's so late. He's like, the garage won't be open. Like, right, I'm stranded. Right, right, right. Um, and so, yeah, they're, they're warming by the fire. Uh, it's just him and Nana, but there's a portrait of Cheryl. That Archie finds very distracting. <laughs> the, the, the narrator, uh, is all like, oh, they say a picture is worth a thousand words, but I only need to say two for this one. Hubba hubba. The whole episode is like this. Yeah. Every line is just so arch. It's so... I love uh, it. Uh, it. It is like two-fisted, four-color dialogue, right? Every time. Um. So Nana lets him know, oh, you're welcome to stay in the guest room, but there are some ground rules. I, I heard about this in a joke about a farmer's daughter. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> so the first one is that... Once you're in your room, you got to stay in there all mm-hmm. night. Also, you need to lock the door all night. You see, my granddaughter is horny as hell 24-7. She's <laughs> insatiable. She has a craving for what some might say is uh, inappropriate touching. <laughs> she enjoys heavy petting. Ravenous for it. <laughs> Can't keep her hands to herself. I and Archie's like, wow, oh, that's, that's, wow. <laughs> you don't say, ma'am. Is that your granddaughter right there in the painting that I'm ogling? Is there any stuffed animal around at this moment? <laughs> well. This teacup is not large enough. There's one large stuffed animal, but I believe my granddaughter is grinding <laughs> upon it right now. This made me think of the Julian doll. Humps that thing senseless, <laughs> the poor dear. And uh, so she's like, well, let's get you settled. So what else would, it, would a young man like Archie do but uh, leave the door open a crack clearly and just lie in bed uh, uh, on like a four-poster with these gauzy curtains surrounding it, just shirtless in anticipation. 
So then he is woken by the door opening and a figure coming in. Mm-hmm. All we see is the silhouette of Cheryl. Mm-hmm. Because, because of them gauzy curtains and, you know, electricity's out, no lights. Archie offers to light a candle, but she says, quote, What we're about to do is best done in darkness. We're killing democracy, Archie. And so... The next morning. Like, when she comes in, she's immediately touching him. Oh, yeah. She's like, it's been so long since I've gotten to touch. Before Hello comes out, she's already just, like, stroking his sternum. Well, wouldn't you? It's, like, (laughs) ripply. It's the farthest away part of him. His his muscles are so pronounced. So many textures. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and of course the narrator's like, avert your eyes, pervert. (laughs) He literally says, avert your eyes, perverts, and turn the page. Which, again, is so on point for, like, the the source of the pastiche. It's, people are there for the exploitation, for the purient, puerile pleasures, but they're also being chided, ah, 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 naughty, naughty boy. It's like the smut of the time. (laughs) Fan fiction, right there. So on the next page, it is the next morning, and there is, again, a massive breakfast spread. (laughs) Jughead is writing from personal experience, this part, I think. Yes. As Archie, like, heads in, though, he sees, like, who he assumes is Cheryl, like, in Mm -hmm. the distance by the window, like, her silhouette kind of thing. But he goes into breakfast with Nana, and he's like, oh... Thanks for your hospitality. And she's like, how was your evening? Or how was your night? And he's like, it was incredible. It was so fucking good. Oh my God. God. (laughs) Incredible. And Nana Rose is like, yeah, by the way, uh, my granddaughter is dying. (laughs) Dying from a rare leprosy. (laughs) And she's highly contagious. (laughs) Her flesh is rotting away. She can't be around other people, and Archie's like, wait, what the fuck? Like, you? But, like, you're fine. Oh, yeah, I was exposed as a child. I'm fine. I don't suppose you were exposed before. (laughs) No? Oh, you're probably gonna die of leprosy pretty soon. I know you fucked my granddaughter. Nana says, quote, mercifully, she'll soon die. (laughs) And also, it was no accident. Uh That you came here because I put those nails out there to blow your tire because I want my granddaughter to live her best life getting fucked before she dies. I would like my dear Cheryl to nail some beefcake before (laughs) she kicks off. It's amazing. (laughs) And then Cheryl comes in with her rotten flesh arm and like puts it on Archie's shoulder. Some. Some of the most horrific makeup this show has ever done. Wearing a bridal gown, you can just barely see her, like, oozing pustules through the veil. And she's like, we're going to be together till death do us part. <laughs> I <laughs> love it. Here's the thing. Like, I thought when Nana was, like, opening this, mm-hmm. I thought this was going to be, like, kind of like a Rocky Horror thing. Mm-hmm. Where, like... Nana's posing as Cheryl in the darkness so she can get her fuck on. <laughs> touch a touch a touch me. Yes, be like, oh no, that was a picture of me in my youth. You really uh railed these bones. <laughs> Cheryl, why does it sound like like why does it sound like maracas when you move? <laughs> Cheryl, you're so dusty. I thought that's what was gonna happen, and I was a little disappointed. 
disappointed at first until Nana started talking about how much she wanted her granddaughter to get freaky. <laughs> so, so, yeah, the, the, like, end note of Till Death Do We Part crashes us right into the commercial break. And on the other side, Veronica doesn't like this one much at all. <laughs> She's like, so what was the moral? What was it? Jughead tries to say, like, oh, yeah, safe sex. You, sh- you should always have yes. protection. <laughs> don't engage in heavy petting in the dark if you don't have protection. <laughs> Which reminds Veronica of the news of the day. Like, she's trying. She's really trying to be, like, uh, uh, present and receptive as uh, Jughead has this huge possible career opportunity hanging over this last minute she assignment. She also really wants to jump his bones. She wants him to talk about anything else, including the school gossip. Like her first play is like, hey, you know, the real Cheryl and the real uh, uh, Archie broke up. And I hear they never went all the way in the first place. Jared's like, oh yeah, who can keep up with all those horny teens in Riverdale High? And her response is, quote, what else is there to do? I'm very horny right now, Jughead. (laughs) That's why God invented high school. She says this. So we can be horny and have the sexy times. And he's just like, oh man, I got another story. This one is called The Beehive. The least interesting title, like... It is. Not not title as in, you know, section, as I use the word sometime, but like literally the words on top of the page. The beehive does not cut it. It starts with, you know, every school has its plain Jane in a ponytail. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So obviously this is a Betty story. And so the Keeper of the Keys continues saying that Bland Betty just can't get a date. <laughs> and so Betty decides to go to the salon. Mm-hmm. Because she feels unseen, and obviously a new hairdo will solve all of her problems. And the salon and, and her and and the stylist within are straight out of hairspray. Yes. In fact, the stylist is played by by a drag performer, Joan E. Yeah. 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 She she has a hyphenated if you're looking her up and to to tell her apart from all the other people who are first name Joan, last initial E in the world. Probably a lot of them. Seven billion people in the world. Yeah, probably. Uh, so yeah, the stylist is like, wait, I got it for you. There's this new hairstyle out of Paris. Mm-hmm, this is mm-hmm. like the bee's knees. This ponytail is doing you no favors. Excuse me. It's iconic. It's iconic. It's iconic. <laughs> Beyond reproach. But but Betty, but he's indeed convinced to get that sophisticated European behive. But much like uh, the guest room at Thornhill, there are conditions. And so the thing is, is that once it is done, it cannot be undone. You cannot wash your hair. You cannot take it down. You may only hairspray. Gross. It's pretty gross. It's so gross. You know who else had had a bit of a blonde beehive with little like dangly uh, uh, bits coming out the side? Hmm. Amanda Bynes in hairspray. Yes. Yes, she did. <laughs> And it was great. I loved her in that. Her <laughs> she was and her mom. She was. I mean, Alice and Janney's good oh my God. in anything. So fucking good. Except why the hell did they give her that ridiculously awful dress at the end where she could not move? <laughs> I get it. It's funny. But they could have given her one where I wasn't afraid for her to, like, pass out. <laughs> I was honestly concerned for her. <laughs> 
I think they sewed her into it. How many Zac Efron movies are we going to talk about today? All of them! (laughs) Okay, so uh, the next short really reminded me of the Baywatch movie from a few years back. (laughs) I was like, man, Zac Efron should have had a role in, like, the Barbie movie. But not, like, as Ken, because, like, Ryan got, like, I am so excited. I mean, there's a lot of Kens in that movie. And a lot of Barbies. But I'm excited. I'm excited. Okay. Michael Sarah's Ken. No, he he's a different character. <gasps> I gotta get my get my get my head in the game. He's Alan. Oh, and Alan is that is supposed like, to mean something to me? I'm I'm not up on my Barbie lore. Alan was like another character that did exist, mm-hmm. and his outfit is specifically for when that Barbie <laughs> like that that doll came out. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff there. That's that's for a different show. Sure, sure. That's for a different episode, I guess, when we uh, talk about the Barbie movie. Barbie buddies. Freaking excited. <laughs> uh, so, that's... so, so Betty's in the bathroom. Bathroom Betty. Beehive bathroom Betty. At school. At school. Hair, well, okay, so she, like, makes her grand entrance through right, school. Right, right. And she's turning every head in the school either out of, uh, uh, either from lust or jealousy, depending. Yes. And so she she's in the bathroom at school, hairspraying away. Veronica and um, Cheryl come in coughing because mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. just fucking hairspray everywhere. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, and Cheryl's all like, you'll always be a ponytail princess on the inside. We can only Ooh. hope so. But uh, Betty blows them off with her newfound confidence. And what follows is a spray montage. Yes. (laughs) She sprays her hair in class, in the hallways, at home, going to bed. Everywhere she goes, she's spraying, spraying, spraying. And the boys are falling all over her, Mm -hmm, fighting mm -hmm. for dates. And uh, she is true to her word of not washing her hair, just spraying. As she lies down and goes to sleep... Which is, and the keeper of the key says, quote, and that's when the very bad thing happens. As you see, <laughs> a weird shadow of a spider web. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The weakest line that the keeper of the key says in the the very bad thing. Come on. <laughs> Even something very bad happened would be a stronger line. What are you doing? So Archie and Betty are at Pops, mm-hmm. and uh, Pops is giving them their, like, milkshake, and Archie's like... Pop Tate in the season for the f- second time, I think? Second, I think. I think he was in the first episode, mm-hmm. seeing off his, his granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Or welcoming them back. They were, mm-hmm, like, coming mm-hmm. back. But Archie says something like, oh, she's a cool cookie now, Pop. And Pop Tate says, hey, Betty's always been a peach. You got it, Pop. Yeah. yeah, we need that type of positivity. Yeah. Uh, and Archie's like, wow, Betty, you're the ginchiest girl with the ginchiest hair. <laughs> wow, gee whiz, let's go dance. So they get up and they start boogieing near the jukebox. Archie still can't dance. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> and Betty can't either because after a moment, she starts having a fit and collapses foaming at the mouth. Uh, and they're like, no one could understand how she just dropped dead, but maybe the town coroner can. One week late, Dr. Curdle Jr. makes his first season seven appearance. Why? Where the fuck was he last time? <laughs> they got him. It's not like he's off the show. What the fuck? He, I don't know. He better be becoming a dad the past week when they were filming or some shit for him not to appear. Like... 
Uh, Dr. Curdle the Third. They should introduce a six-year-old coroner. So Dr. Curdle's like, wow, what fascinating hairstyle. And so in order to get through it, he gets out his handheld circular saw that is covered in blood splatter, because of course it is. And he chops into her hair. His hair's just, like, flying up <laughs> everywhere. Like, psh, psh, psh. These are, like, again, true to the source, these yeah. are comedy as much as they are horror. Yes. Uh, in, in the gruesome, bloody excess, there there is something very funny about them, and intentionally so. This is not this is not a parody. This is a very faithful, like, a pastiche, honestly. Yeah. And so uh, he cuts into her hair, and then he's like, oh my, what have we have here? And fucking spiders crawl out of her head. And he sort of throws up in his mouth a little and runs away. Saying, anything but spiders. And you know what? I agree. Anything but spiders. This is why Dr. Curdle Jr. is our family practice doctor as well. He's my best friend. He works for cash under the table like his dad. So what we learn is that that night when Mm -hmm. Betty went to sleep. The very bad thing happened. A spider crawled into her head. A black widow at that. And laid a whole bunch of eggs. Laid a and, whole nest. And then they hatched and they ate her brain. In the days that followed, yes, they worked their way down to eat her brain. The end! I will never not wash my hair every day. <laughs> Again, that uh, cuts straight to the commercial. And on the other end, Veronica does not like that one at all. In fact, she finds it rather misogynist. She's like, what's wrong with girls wanting to look good? There's there's some up about all these stories of punishing young women. I mean, the first one, no. Well, sure, that's Jughead's defense, especially in the end when we get to the scene where it, it really blows up, but... Mm. Uh, but she's like, okay, we got one left, and I haven't had a starring role in it, Jughead, so, like, come on. Uh, and he's like, okay, so... We do a flip on the classic love triangle. What What if, what if two girls who are into the same guy weren't angry at each other all the time? Oh. What would that be like? What if a comic book was published like that somewhere around 1955? Who could imagine such a thing? Not Archie Comics, because like, that was <laughs> only half of the time. <laughs> Uh, but so we go to the last story, My Better Half. Uh, so it opens with uh, the keykeeper talking about how Archie struggles with the most basic multiple choice <laughs> questions because he's a halfwit. <laughs> Archie's a moron, but he's still dating two Goyles. Yeah. So he couldn't decide between Betty and Veronica. So he chose option C. Date both of them. He takes six days a week, Betty and Veronica, on alternating days, so he's exhausted. And so Sundays is his day of rest. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But when it is during the week, he is, like, running on coffee. Yes, yes. He has a thermos with him at all times in this short. Um, but, uh, he doesn't keep it a secret. No. They both know that he's dating the other one, and he boasts about it to the boys. And the boys are like, gee, Andrews, how do you do it? And he teaches them his secret, the three magic words, you're my favorite. Yes, because when the girls start talking about like, oh man, Archie, can't you take me to the movies tomorrow? No, that's the other girls' night. Don't you want to play back row bingo at Double Indemnity? (laughs) 
he makes it all better by telling them, you're my favorite. I love this scene. I love this scene because uh, the, the way it plays out is he's having the same argument with both of them yeah. at the same time in the same place, sitting yeah. like in the front seat of his car at Pops. Yeah. Whenever he responds to one girl's complaint about this situation, uh, it's the next girl that follows up and it's, it's it's perfect it's good and it ends and one of the last things archie says is quote you guys are both so different <laughs> it's very funny it's so funny it was a gag lifted from mad magazine's starchy parody from like their third issue ever <laughs> published not long after 1955 <laughs> Quick correction, the Starchy uh, uh, parody was in Mad Issue number 12 from June 1954. Artist Will Elder, writer Harvey Kurtzman himself. So, so yeah, Archie is like boasted about his, his you're my favorite thing. It's mm-hmm, you know, those mm-hmm. three little words and Dilton's like, actually, that's four. Everyone yells at Dilton because they don't care about contractions. <laughs> we just care about fucking shut up. Shut up. Shut up, Dilton. And they're like, aren't you exhausted? And he's like, that's why God made Sundays and coffee. (laughs) The most dad thing I've ever heard in my life. Uh, But we are told by the key keeper that the good ship Archie was headed for an iceberg. Because, because this year of all years, Valentine's Day lands on a Sunday. The system cannot hold forever. So Betty, Cheryl... And Veronica are in the girls' bathroom, and Cheryl's like, so girls, what are, what are your uh, plans for Valentine's Day? And they both think that Archie's taking them out. Mm-hmm. And so then they start fighting with each other. For the first time, they really start fighting with each other over, over their uh, a mutual interest in Archie. And it's all like... It gets personal! You know, Archiekin says you're a charity case. Well, he hates that name, and he thinks you're so fragile that like, if he breaks up with you, you'll just like crack. Well, he says that, you know, you're just crazy and you take your mom's sleeping pills. And that's when they're like, wait, he actually says this shit to you <laughs> about me? And and Cheryl, just with one little, little point, turns them toward recognizing who the real enemy is. And so instead of in that moment deciding, screw Archie, they both rush him, though, and are like, you need to pick. You need to choose which one of us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, who are you taking out for Valentine's Day? And Archie's like... Oh, well, neither of you. I It's the first Valentine's Day since Dad passed away, and I need to take Mom out. <laughs> My poor widowed mother. And this melts both of their hearts. He's so sweet. This is why we love him. And so they're like, oh, yes, of course. I, We understand. That's mm-hmm. so sweet. They both have plans to, to stay in Sunday night, even if it is Valentine's Day. And he confirms with them that, like, really? Okay. But their plans change, and Veronica and Betty decide to go out on a date together, mm-hmm. two pops, to enjoy Valentine's Day as Galentine's Day, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And what do they see? But Archie, arm in arm with Cheryl Blossom. She was playing the long game in the bathroom. Ah! That rat fink. <laughs> So Veronica is all, like, ready to rush over there and tell Archie a piece of her mind, but Betty's like, mmm, I got a better idea. And this is, of course, our our big show-stopping number. This is the only uh, short to be on both sides of a commercial break, which is the next day now. 
And the two approach Archie and are like, oh, wow, what you said about your mom was so sweet. We're not sore at all. In fact, we want to have a threesome. And Archie says, say no more. <laughs> like, I'll pick you both up and we'll go to Lover's Lane. And Betty's like, oh, no, no. We're going to meet at the shop class after hours. And he's like, what? And it's soundproof. I know. We plan on making a lot of noise. Yeah, yeah. From torturing uh, uh, people we pick up on the highway. Wait, never mind, never mind. That was a couple seasons ago. Forget it. Archie enters the shop later that evening, and Betty and Veronica... Festooned in in, uh, uh, candles. The shop, not the girls. And they've made, like, a pile, like a bed on the floor, and are just, like, seductively sitting there waiting for him. And in unison, shining style, they say, join us. Uh, but they're like, oh, don't you need a boost for first? We've brought you your coffee. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I don't think I'll need that tonight, ladies. And they're like, no, 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 no we got a lot planned for you. <laughs> so he chugs the coffee mm-hmm. and then does a very, like, comic, like, <laughs> He's winding up, r- ready and raring to go to dive in. And uh, as he shakes his head. A literal Yogi Bear sound effect plays. Yeah. (laughs) He just collapses. (laughs) And when he wakes up, he is strapped down. Chained, arms and legs. To the table. Uh, And uh, Betty's like, oh man, I'm sorry for the headache you have. I didn't know how many sleeping pills to put in that coffee. Oh, Jughead is such an expert script writer. You know, he seeded that and then he paid it (laughs) off. Yeah. And so then they walk over to the giant fucking saw. It's a saw that looks like it belongs in a David Copperfield show. It's so big. And Betty's like, Archie, this won't hurt much. We just want to double our fun. (laughs) And Archie starts screaming. And it is so, he's like high pitched. Such a good screamer. He's a really good screamer. It's so good. As, as, yeah, they slide the saw over to the shop table and cut him uh, uh, in half. Blood uh, just splatters the camera. Like, uh, waste-wise. And so the the last shot of the, the story is the, the four of them, I suppose, on the couch, Veronica cooing over the top half, and uh, uh, Betty patting the legs because uh, she got the butt. Do you think they flipped a coin or something? Did They probably had time to, to plan it out while they were waiting for him to wake up. Yeah, yeah. Because it's important to cut him in half alive. So uh, they never have to share again. And as the key keeper tells us, didn't I tell you he was a half-wit? I <laughs> 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 see what you did there. Uh-huh. 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 So, after our final commercial break, Veronica has some reservations about the direction of this issue. (laughs) Uh, and so she is very troubled by, uh, his sexual politics within it and thinks that, uh, everything is, is, uh, putting the girls out there as shallow, crazy killers. Yeah. Which, yeah, but... I don't know, they took revenge on an asshole, so, like, 
Uh, and Jughead, who started this uh, uh, whole episode talking about how valuable these stories are, how important they are, how you're supposed to take meaning from them. As soon as he's challenged, what does he fall back on? It's just comics. It's just stories. This is supposed to be a gas. And uh, uh, Veronica responds, for who, though? Who's having a gas, Jughead? Me. <laughs> I'm having a great time. Great time over here. <laughs> but like, and she's not dismissing them out of hand. She is engaging. Yes. She is like actually paying attention, taking the stories on their own terms, and she finds them shallow and exploitative and not living up to the potential. Like she liked one of them. She liked one of them just fine. Yeah. And then it all kind of got mired on the one note, didn't it? Hmm. She liked the one that didn't have girls. <laughs> well, she, she liked the one with uh, uh, truly evil people getting their comeuppance. What's so evil about wanting to have a new haircut and following instructions on its maintenance? Yeah, that one's not. That one's weird. Right? <laughs> that one was weird. So uh, Jughead's trying to be like, oh, well, you know, I'm done now. We could still, like, go catch a movie. Too little, too late. Uh, uh, the last showing, uh, uh, not very attractive because while Veronica is trying to engage, trying to uh, uh, discuss and, and uh, uh, be part of this creative endeavor, Jughead's just been playing defense and just trying to pass her off and not really listening to what she has to say. Mm -hmm. This relationship that started as people sharing their interests and engaging with one another, as soon as they have a disagreement, he can't offer ha her that courtesy anymore. And so she gets up and leaves. I honestly feel like he is just clueless mm -hmm, in this, mm -hmm, though. Mm -hmm. Like, And not to like make the excuse for him, but like he is very much just like, not at all in tune with what's going on. No, no, he's, he's not. No, that he's she not. wants to like get it on. Yeah, like trying to go on a date, missing the feedback. Like the, there is just like no absorption of anything. The the whole bit about how uh, uh like earlier in the episode, he straight up does a fake geek girl thing. He's he says uh you know uh, uh women will do anything to to get with a boy they like and Veronica says yeah even pretend to be interested in comic books the clearest hint to say uh let's give it a night I I can uh, uh keep writing after the movie this movie might be pretty good inspiration it's good to take a break instead he says yeah you're right girls don't like comics ha 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 I'm gonna keep writing in front of you that's when he lost her right there. It's the next day at school, and mm -hmm. Jughead's voiceover is like, well, the bubble that we were in popped. We are no longer the Marilyn Monroe and Arthur Miller of Riverdale. <laughs> and their friendship will never be the same. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the, the ending of this... Yes, yes. ...kind of goes back and forth between a couple things. We, we go back to the trio of angry men... Yes. <laughs> ...who are reading... A newspaper article that's like, boo comics! Yes, uh, uh, Dr. Werther's, uh, my, my good friend Friedrich, uh, wrote an editorial, a front page editorial. <laughs> With extensive research that shows mm -hmm. that comics are 
awful and it's causing all the savagery in real life. Yeah, the the headline is Slaughter of the Innocent. Again, called it a month ago as soon as they introduced this character. It's obvious where this was going. Yes. He uh like it's just laid out. I am Frederick Wortham. And they're I, like, look at me. Ah, yes. Everyone will forget about the Muggs murders mm, and instead focus mm, on this real mm. danger to America. And yeah, uh, Dr. Werther's has Pep Comics in his sight. His aim is to er- eradicate this company and, and its work from the face of the earth. While the mayor is just like, yeah, anything to get people to ignore the dead parents in the middle of town, I guess. Yeah, you, you have your project, I guess. Jughead goes to Pep Comics and uh, Mr. Fieldstone is like, wow, this stuff's incredible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I love how misogynist it is. And like, it's so shallow and exploitative. But like Jughead, what's re- you got? Do you got girl trouble? And he's like, yeah, I have this sweet thing with this one girl, uh, but she read my comics and like took it the wrong way. I guess she didn't like what I was saying. And Mr. Fieldstone's like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> what do you mean interpretation? What do you? <laughs> what do you mean she thinks? <laughs> Since when do dames think? Ha cha cha. But he's like, wow, this stuff's great though. So like, you deserve something. And Jughead's like, a bonus? No. no God, he laughs in his face. Credit on the cover? God no. no. A byline on the interior. <laughs> And he's like, how does Jughead Jugular Jones sound to you? And apparently it sounds pretty good. He He's jazzed about that. And uh, the, the editor is like, hey, girls come and go, but your name in print. Now that's forever. That's going to make people stand up and take notice of you. And wouldn't you know it? That's the last thing we want right now with a moral crusade, you know, torches and pitchforks coming for the, for the company. Yeah, yeah. that's not going to turn out too good. And that's it. That's the end of the episode. That is chapter 122, Tales in a Jugular Vein. Dear, what'd you think of it? I enjoyed it. It was good. This is one of my favorite episodes. The uh, uh, Tales from the Dark Side. Yeah. Killing of a Sacred Deer. Yeah. Tales in a Jugular Vein. I yeah. love these three. I, I love the anthology episodes quite a bit, uh, a good deal. It just allows them to do such fun things, and this mm-hmm, one especially mm-hmm. because of the whole comic thing. They just, like, can do goofy, over-the-top things. The skull and crossbones cutout overlay over Betty's face. Yes! Wiggly lines of shock and terror when uh, uh, Archie turns around to see leprotic uh, uh, Cheryl. So good. So much fun. The shots. Like, just going back to the one with, like, Dilton of, like, you know, gotta keep my head in the game and this, like, panning between the coach and the bodies and the heads. and Like, it's so good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was fun. I imagine for three of the stories, at least, the last one runs a bit long, uh, you could make a seven-pager out of the first three. Yeah. If I'm just, like, playing the scenes back in my mind, you can see where the page turns are. Yeah. Like... It's so good as pastiche. Yeah. It's so good. I like, you know, this type of, again, it just gives them such freedom to Mm -hmm, play. mm -hmm. I like things that could, like, open doors. Mm Mm-hmm. And what I really appreciate it, what I think really uh, uh, sets it above all the, the goofy fun that is so wonderful, but grounds it in something important, is the exchanges between Jughead and Veronica. 
Yeah. What that means as a commentary on what is being pastiched. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, an ongoing conversation that's been going for 60 years about these books. Yeah. <laughs> as a category and many of the individual stories that, that have a legacy beyond. Uh, and their relationship. Like, uh, from the beginning, I thought, I, I didn't expect them to break up at the end of the episode around like a third of the way through the episode. Mm-hmm. But I did appreciate how, oh, they're sowing the seeds. Like everything I said about the last scene when we were talking about it, you can see coming in their first and second scenes and the path between those those two. Yeah. And how they, they are a couple, a very short-lived couple, unfortunately. I wish we had more middle, but I love the beginning and I love the end. Yeah, I would have liked some more. Like, I kind of hope we revisit their relationship. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I didn't think I would like it so much, but I do, and I want more. Best case scenario, yeah, Jughead learns his lesson, uh, uh, figures out what that he needs to apologize and why, and and does it, and maybe we can rekindle something in six weeks. Yeah, but but it's a plot that ended effectively and in a way that really does well for both of their characters. Both of their current characters. Yeah. Whole season. We're five episodes in now. Yeah. This is the longest we've been without complaining about Veronica in a long time. Yeah. What are we thinking about season seven Veronica? Season seven Veronica's the best Veronica we've had. It sneaks up on you. This is the best Veronica we've had in years. Best fucking Veronica. It's because she's not wrapped up in being a she-woman of Wall Street or Mm -hmm. like Hiram. Yeah. In, in fact, a few weeks ago, she learned she had that capacity in her, saw that path before her, and decided, no, that's a mean thing. Yeah. I don't want to be mean. Yeah. I'm going to be interested in this dude who likes weird movies. Oh, as soon as we're not talking about them on his terms, he gets much less interesting. That sucks. And now we're going to move on to the next thing, and I'm excited to see what the next thing is. Okay, so side thing, and I, I don't... This has to do with Jughead's clothing. Okay. okay, all right. It's a reference to a certain doll from 1984. <laughs> I'm trying to think of all the outfits he's had since we've been in this season. Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. I'm pretty, unless, like, I'm missing one, they've all been sweaters. Yeah, pretty much. He even has a turtleneck when he when he uh, offers to, to work on spec today. They're, it's all, like, the sweaters or turtleneck or whatever with the S, right? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. all of it. Unless I'm forgetting something. In this episode... He ends up with a flannel and suspenders. <laughs> after, after he goes to Pep Comics and gets his little cards mm-hmm. that talk about the cult and the organ harvesting and the rocket and these snippets of the future. Mm. Oh my God, it goes so deep. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, and again, I could be wrong, I could be missing an outfit, but I think this might be the first time in this season he's not wearing an S sweater shirt something oh suspenders flannel well the s stands for suspenders it, it still counts did i just find like a really deep thing here it sounds like we're moving into predictions you predict that the the brainwash kiss was not so effective I, I something's coming back in. he's gonna find that snippet about like Bend arc history or whatever the three words were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's all back there in his subconscious. Mm-hmm, this is mm-hmm. the whole like these have all been so done before. If if we're going in that direction with Jughead, if he's re- starting to subconsciously remember his old self, 
Isn't it convenient? Isn't it very convenient that he's suddenly single before he starts remembering the love of his life, Burger Lady? Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. We got, yep. Okay, this is a whole, like, what they've worn. What a website you found. I know. This is, like, where to go buy the shit. I want you to find where to buy uh, Veronica's ridiculous bow So it doesn't show dress. it doesn't show everything. It, I guess it's like only shit that that you could buy. That you can buy. Uh yeah, shopyourtv.com is what that oh, is. Oh, okay. Well, now I don't know. Someone go research it for me. Let me know if I'm right. Well, now is the perfect time to do that because this is the 5th episode of the season and what that means is hmm. this is the last time you can like free stream on the CW the uh oh. the first episode. Oh. That that's about to expire as soon as we get a sixth episode next oh, week. Oh yeah, so you got to go catch up now. Someone go look. Mm-hmm. Hit us up. You know where you can hit us up? At sex underscore Archie on Twitter. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, just so you know. I'm putting that plug in now before we need to get to it. Yeah, we can skip that later. Very efficient. Yeah. Uh, so what other predictions have we got going on? I mean, that's a big one. That's a big one. And it feels very smart. And I was talking about it last time too, that I was feeling like that's what was going Mm -hmm. on. But this, the suspenders and plaid really sells it for me. Mm -hmm. And the, these have been done before. Now, as far as the mugs murder. Yeah. I still think that my, my like absolute Hail Mary, I'm going to ride this until proven otherwise, that it's Bernie. You think it's Bernie? I think it's Bernie trying to drum up uh, publicity by making a real uh, uh, milkman killer. Oh. But, but, if we keep talking about season one vibes. Yeah. Who's the murderer? Clifford's back in town. Mm. Mm. He wants people to not talk so much about it. Yeah. And like he's a rich guy and if and the only thing we knew about Mr. Muggs before this season was that he lost a lot of money in bad investments. Yeah. Mm. Mm. My my second choice, my runner up right now is is uh Mayor Blossom. I have also thought that it could be Dr. Werther's. Mhm. Mhm. Who was like uh, to to incriminate the comics? Yeah. Yeah. Like, ah, yes, my perfect plan here. This will spark it all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a bit of a rough one to think of predictions for. Yeah. Because so little of it by volume is in the present or, or even in reality, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're like, just reading Jughead's RPF. <laughs> yeah. Like, there, there's not a lot to go off of for uh, what comes next. That might, that might be all we got. Sure, sure. I guess that means it's time to talk about next week, chapter 123. The title is Peep Show. And what we know. Uh, Peep Show is probably named for the, the long-running uh, cult hit uh, uh, British sitcom that is told, uh, uh, a great deal of it is told in first-person, like, point-of-view camera work. Mm-hmm. Hence the title. So what we know is... Uh, Betty asks Veronica, what's sex like? Basically, the entire plot of the trailer is that Betty has finally found someone as interested in sex as she is. And wouldn't you know it, he lives next door. It's Archie, and he's really, really excited. He finally read a book since C-Spot Run, I guess. 
And, uh, or, or no, that book got burned. I don't know. There's no explanation. And it seems they've decided, if I show you mine, you'll show me yours mm-hmm. from our bedroom windows. Mm-hmm. Which is, I gotta say, a really hot fucking idea. <laughs> I hope their doors lock. <laughs> Like, I just imagine Mary and Alice both, like, coming in at the same time. But, like, so the... Then, like, the... jacking off in the window. <laughs> what? Now, that scene, that's that's American Pie 1955. <laughs> I mean, like... I, I'm, I'm imagining... Uh, As uh, they, like, talk into their, like, tin can phone that they still have from when they were, oh. like... Ten, and they're just like, oh, oh yeah. American Treasure, last of the the Brat Pack, carrying the banner, just dropping a, a plate that breaks and saying, Archie, self abuse. <laughs> I would love that scene forever. Before that happens, or rather than that happening, just the idea of like revealing but not being able to do anything right the the uh, separation between windows and an alley like that i hope it's not an alley that's like a public way like (laughs) the side yards and the picket fence or whatever but but like that's got potential anybody out there take that idea before they put it on tv goodness i just make sure no one else is around I mean, for your stories. <gasps> I mean, for your films. Oh. Yes. Oh, for I your mean, films. Goodness. For this to be something you do in real life, in particular detail, you need to invest in real estate. Like, <laughs> I don't think it's practical advice for you and your partner. I just mean as a concept. Oh, it sounded like you were giving, like, real advice out there. <laughs> not like, oh, use this for your novel. Or that movie you're making, or your porn. It's a lot of different levels of, like, how far it goes. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, we already did one thing that we asked you about, so instead I'm gonna, uh, so I'm gonna skip that one and go right to asking you to leave us a rating and review. Leave us a, a, a big old number on, uh, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and wherever else you find us. You can also tell your friends! Tell your friends! You know, friends... Friends are more powerful than numbers. Friends will sometimes strip for you in front of windows. Really close friends. You have to have quite a relationship. Friends who can't afford a, a, a dermatologist might. Uh, I mean, yeah, like, how's the spot look on my back? Does this look the same it did last month? Can you apply burn cream here? I got a bad Well, not sunburn. from the other house across <laughs> the side yard and the picket fence in the windows. Well, that's when you're showing them, like, what spot. Like, can you come over? I, I can't reach. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, sure, I'll be over. Let me just rub that for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that is a sort of friend that you should tell about sex, Archie. <laughs> also friends you're less close to. Acquaintances, even. <laughs> I don't mind. So with that... I'm Elena. I'm Grant, and from us here at Sex Archie, avert your eyes, perverts. The
Littlefinger bus is coming, and everybody's coming. And they're through San Francisco, and into Sleepy Disco. The wheels are still turning, and the burn. And if you want to party, come on and move your body. We like to party. We like to party. To party. We like to party. We like. We like to party. We like to party. We like. We like to party. Moki doesn't like to party. Moki doesn't like to party. No. Okay, Moki, you fall down. Juggykins? No. <laughs> Why not? No. What's wrong with Juggykins?